The dawn of civilization. Primitive. Dangerous. Exciting. The handwriting is on the wall. If the human race is ever going to amount to anything, it needs... The most civilized caveman I have ever seen. Ah, look who's come out of his cave. Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in. This is James from Cave Dweller Music. I'm with my co-host Brendan, and today we have both members of Sarcoptes. That is a Sacramento, California band that plays a fantastic blend of thrash and black metal. Uh, we've been fans for a while, so we really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Thanks for coming on. Uh, thanks for having us. No problem. Yeah, thank you. Anytime. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know your work or your music, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourselves, what you do in the band, and sort of what the band is about? So um, we're a two-piece band, always has been, always been um, studio-based uh, up to this point. Things may change in the future. But uh, for now, I do all the guitars, the bass, the keyboards. Gar does all the vocals and the drumming. Um, on the new album, I got a guest lead guitarist to do a couple solos because he's infinitely better than me. And <laughs> those solos really enhance the songs quite a bit, in my opinion. Yeah, nice. yeah, it showed. It was fantastic. Yeah. Um. Well, I'm Garrett. Uh, I go by Gar sometimes. That's an old nickname that Sean remembers. Um. Yeah, I'm the vocalist and the drummer. I do these things separately because they're both really hard to do in this band. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's a good time. I'm glad to be in it. <laughs> awesome. Um. And before we go into your new album we just wanted to thank you initially for contributing a track to our uh, mental health charity sample it means a lot to see musicians coming together and actually supporting and a cause that's that important so thank you you're welcome thanks for having us of course yeah uh, it's a um, killer track too man yeah definitely it's uh opens the thing up with some real power uh the trenches is the song for anyone who hasn't heard it yet absolutely mm -hmm. fantastic song from uh the new album uh which is titled prayers uh prayers to oblivion and it is the opening track on that album as well. Um, so do you want to tell us a little bit about the release? Uh, obviously, it was through Transcending Obscurity Records, who Brendan is probably the biggest fanboy of that I've met. <laughs> yeah. I love those guys, man. The roster is <laughs> immense. It's amazing. Yeah, they have an enormous roster of bands. <laughs> um, anyway, I met Kunal because he actually did some promotion for our first album, uh, Songs and Dances of Death. So I got in touch with them on Facebook and kept in contact. And then when after we recorded the uh, Plague Hymns EP in 2017, um, I, you know, sent the band submission to him and he got right back to me. So um, we went with him. Uh, he signed us for the EP and a full length. So and both have come out now. That's fantastic. Um, I want to ask a question just going back a little bit before we go Merch forward. That gets signed up with all that. Yeah, the quality of the merch is uh, quite impressive, and uh, there's quite a variety of it. I'm pretty amazed at all the different kinds of things you can buy. You know, most I was mostly just expecting a T-shirt. You know, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, he they they always go over the top. It's awesome. Definitely, and and for a band of our size, and and you know where we're at, and we don't have any particular goal other than to just do the best we can it's really nice to see what high quality material and even the releases themselves the the cd the time taken for the detail on the uh the boxes themselves it's nice you can tell he's a fan and you can tell he he cares about the quality and his fan base cares too so it's good to be there yeah that's great where did you guys uh come up with the uh artwork for your albums um which one the newest one or in general well, all of them in general but yeah the newest one um but all the other stuff was well, really cool too so the the newest one kunal at the label actually recommended i contact adam burke about doing the artwork for it because he thought his style would work well with our style of music and um so i initially just went into his uh database of uh existing artworks that were available for license you know paintings he had drawn that no one had used and um this was actually my second choice because i saw another one first that i really liked i showed it to canal and he was like it's good but it's not quite right and so i dug a little deeper and then i found the second one i said what about this and he said yep that's the one and i have to agree with him because the cosmic background with the the skull superimposed it really does kind of reflect 
in my mind, some of the underlying themes of the song's uh, lyrics. Yeah. So uh, l- lyrically speaking, you've always had quite a range going through like history, uh, warfare, all that type of stuff. W- what's the source of the inspiration for your lyrics? Is it a personal passion or? I think it's just a general interest, you know, um, just reading books and watching films, documentaries and being interested in learning. Um, and then when you want to do music of a serious caliber, you know, you have to have lyrics that are also kind of serious. It can't just mm-hmm. be about partying or whatever. I mean, you, <laughs> right. you can you can do songs about that, but it wouldn't quite work with the kind of music we're doing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Pizza, right. thra- pizza thrash lyrics. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's totally appropriate, but not for what we're doing. Yeah, it's like you're not going to have those lyrics with like a depressive suicidal black metal album or something like that. It makes make no sense. I mean, I'd like to see it done just out of curiosity, but I don't don't know how well it'll be received. Um, would you say sort of that not just your sound, but your overall focus as a band has shifted as your albums have progressed, or do you think you're kind of on a linear path of, of sticking to the same sort of stuff? Um, I look at each new recording as a refinement and a slight progression of what went on earlier. Mm-hmm. So um, I feel like this second album is sort of the culmination or the refinement of where we started out at. It's like the best version of what that was supposed to be. Awesome. And I think the next thing we do will be a small, you know, a uh, small progression from where we're at. I don't think it's suddenly going to drop into techno <laughs> out of nowhere. Yeah. You know? It'll still be stylistically similar, even if there's some new elements in it. Right. right not going to pull right. an over right i don't think we're quite that diverse <laughs> I'm, I'm really hoping we do um divert into techno but that's just <laughs> but no. i mean i'll say as the drummer you know um i'm always trying to refine my craft itself you know so while the music is progressing and i agree with sean kind of refining the intention that we started with and then kind of culminating with prayers to oblivion you know my my job on the drum kit is you know also kind of growing and i've tried to really grow through each studio session to be able to come back in and do better and i definitely feel like we hit some high marks uh, that we were shooting for for a long time with prayers so yeah, yeah. i would agree it definitely shows I mean, it's just there yeah it's so thrashy and it's just like but it's like epic and and atmospheric too you know it's like oh it it hits all the benchmarks for me you know like it's awesome i I love songs that have like craftsmanship you know that are more than five minutes you know like give me something show me what you got and you know you guys nail all your albums are like that too you know they're all just there's a lot of craftsmen there i like it Um, I don't think the the blending of styles, like you mentioned, the, the overt thrash elements with the atmospheric black metal was really kind of thought out. It just kind of happened, you know? Yeah. Even when uh, Gar and I first started jamming, uh, I think the intention was, let's just be a black metal band. And um, But the very first two songs I brought him were very thrashy. And I think when I first played them for him, Gar's like, what is this you know <laughs> i mean there yeah. was some black metal in there but there was other stuff in there and i think once we rehearsed it a few times like okay i got it but right um and i think that's just my background like learning to play guitar by metallica and slayer and um, that just comes out in my dna you know like mm-hmm. Slayer. yep yep metallica. yeah <laughs> well i was yeah. listening so. um today actually uh songs and uh dances of death and um the song the uh fall of constantinople uh-huh. and i was just like wait am i listening to slayer right now wait what happened <laughs> and i had to double check and i'm like whoa this is awesome man like it was like a little nod there i i assume like it's just it's great yeah the intro riff is fantastic <laughs> yeah i'm just like wait a minute and did something happen to my like internet and i'm playing something di- like what what <laughs> it's awesome <laughs> Yeah, that's probably the thrashiest song on the album. That's actually the first one I wrote, too. So, okay, really, uh, it's I, I liked it a lot. Still I'm going to ask you a slightly <laughs> loaded question then. If you're a Metallica fan, uh, what are your thoughts on the new album? Oh, I've only heard it once. I mean, I thought it was it was pretty good. I mean, there's parts I really liked, but I mean, it didn't blow my mind or anything, you know. Um, right. 
but I mean, there's definitely stuff in there. I'm like, okay, this is cool. I enjoy this. I suppose if I listened to it three or four more times, I'd probably be into it a lot more. But uh, right. on the whole, I thought it was pretty cool. My my biggest takeaway was that if they trimmed the songs down a little bit, some of those songs yeah. just a bit shorter and punchier could have actually been better. I, I've heard that a lot too. Like a lot of the biggest criticism is the song should be trimmed like two, three minutes each. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I can I can definitely feel that. I mean, a lot of people said that about Injustice for All, too. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't quite agree with that. Maybe one or two songs on there could be a minute shorter. But mm-hmm. I think that the huge, complicated, epic arrangements on that are exactly what they were trying to do. You know, right. they're trying to be the most progressive and technical version that they could. And they pulled it off. But once they got to that point, they couldn't keep doing that. You right. Know? <laughs> yeah. I definitely agree. It works a lot better on that album because there's a lot more energy behind it and a lot more technicality, as you said. So it keeps it interesting for those right. longer arrangements. But now they've kind of kept those long arrangements and it's kind of just more of the same throughout. It's a little, so. it's a little plotting. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas with Injustice, the music is so aggressive and James's vocals in particular are so angry that mm-hmm. there's so much energy in it that a 10-minute song doesn't feel like 10 minutes, you know? Right. Right. And it's like, it's one of those few times when they have a song like One that's such a long track that it gets played at parties or like played at like events or on like the radio and stuff. You don't, you don't see that yeah. very often with a song that long, but it's so catchy, well written that people still accept it anyway. Mm. Well, I mean, I got this. that song wouldn't make sense if it was shorter. I no. mean, if they cut it in half, they wouldn't have that huge, thrashy, fast out section, you know? And then if right. they cut all the mellow stuff in the beginning, all that explosion at the end wouldn't make any sense. You know? Right. It's the so you need the whole seven and a half minutes to take you up, down and out. Exactly. Yeah. I like that. Especially if it's done well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think there's a time and place for long form and a time and place for short form, obviously, depending what you're doing, breaking up. Like when we were putting our sampler together, that was one of the things we kept in mind the whole time because mm-hmm. we had 35 tracks per volume or different styles. It's like no one wants to have a 10 minute track backed by a 10 minute track. It's it's like, you need something like a, uh-huh. a palate cleanser or a refresher or something in between. Right. And that's uh-huh. why too, like, you know, start off with a banger and then follow it up with something awesome too. And then like kind of mellow it out a little bit and then go back into some bangers and, you know, like you want them to like listen to it and like enjoy it. And, you know, instead of just having all this abrasive music thrown at your face. <laughs> I mean, Obviously, if, if it's certain bands, you want that long form the whole way through. Like, you're not going right. to go listen to, like, I don't know, an Opeth song or something and be like, I wish this was two minutes long. <laughs> like, yeah, Moon Sorrow, something like that. They need yeah. like, 10, 15 minute long songs. Right, exactly. It's, and then you, you don't want 15 minutes of grindcore. That's like right. <laughs> nonstop from start to finish because you get a migraine. <laughs> two minutes. Exactly. That That's right. like, suited and to that like... time frame. Sorry, there's a connection issue there. I lost you guys for a second. I'm here. Cool. All right. Nice. So obviously you said you have a lot of varied influences. Uh, that, that's your thrasher influences on that side. Who, who would you sort of say of your black metal influences to the two of you? Well, I mean, the most obvious comparison we get is Emperor, And I think uh-huh. that's apt because um, I learned a bunch of their songs and then just started using their techniques to build my own. So that's pretty apt. But I mean, really, all those classic Scandinavian second wave bands, you could probably say bits and pieces of them are in our DNA, you know, Dissection and Immortal and Dimmuborger, older stuff, 90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So and then, you know, Dark Funeral and all that kind of stuff, too. Right. The Satyricon, obviously, especially for me, the third album, especially. But Gar is a huge fan and he knows... I've heard their whole discography, but Gar knows it inside out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, uh, that just, oh, oh Go ahead, sorry. No, I was just going to chime in. I mean, yeah, um, Satyricon, my fandom of them just kind of fell into place. I don't know. I just, when I heard what they were doing and the way they were delivering it and even the presentation and everything, it just, it had that power to it that I was really in awe of. I really like their rock stardom and i was mm-hmm. i was attracted to that in addition to i just think frost is a a great extreme metal drummer in terms of uh choosing shots and phrasing in addition to being very fast and brutal at times so yeah i would say there's a lot of satyricon in my drumming a lot of 1349 
Um, you know, I don't really love a ton of just relentless blast beat bands, but there's something about those CDs, especially Hellfire 2005. That was just a big impact on me as a young drummer. You know, suddenly I hear this and I'm like, how is this even humanly possible? And uh, yeah, it was sort of part of my early blast beat addiction and and the chase that I went on myself. Um, so I try to bring a lot of that in. And then, yeah, a lot of Emperor too. And I mean, you know, I'm into a lot of Gene Hoagland drumming and a lot of OG uh, metal drummer stuff as well, um, To and just choosing shots. I mean, Dave Lombardo even, I mean, you got to know him and you got to know why it's exceptional. And then it really helps me when I then try to come up with parts for what Sean writes, you know. So, yeah, I would say those, those are the, the major influences. Awesome. Was, Where did you... Gonna... Uh... Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, um, who inspired you vocally? Yeah, um, probably a ton of Demon Borgir was my main just fascination with extreme metal vocals. Um, I'm also really into uh, Pete from Hypocrisy. I love his highs and I love mm -hmm. his delivery. He knows how to make a song extremely catchy without making it sound cheap or cheesy. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's like a master of the metal ballad, in my opinion. So um uh, he's a big influence to me um uh, there's a lot of cradle of filth cds i like uh, i think one of the reviewers called me hardcore danny filth which i i kind of laughed at um that wasn't like something i was shooting for um and and i've also decided over the years like i have to sound like myself because yeah my voice box is mine and not someone else's so i have to play this instrument vocally but you know influence wise you know i, I take a little bit from yeah those guys um trying to think if there's any other major influence not really coming to mind but yeah peter definitely and uh and and shag good old shag so yeah. i was just going to ask before with the uh satiricon stuff are you one of those people that has is old discography or new discography or do you like the whole thing yeah so they have um you know they have some divisive cds right like rebel mm -hmm. extravaganza really split the herd and a lot of the old og extreme guys are like this is trash and they picked up new fans I kind of look at it like I actually admire Sater's management of his band and the way he went that he went, um, mm -hmm. the way he went. Yeah. Um, Cause I just, uh, you know, uh, that, that decision to try to take a band in a direction that maybe not a lot of other black metal bands can go and then to do it well and to kind of embrace the black and roll transition and yeah. then send that far and have success with that. Cause he'll always be the guy who wrote Nemesis Divina. And they still right. always close with Mother North. So whether or not you like the fact that they play now Diabolical in the set is irrelevant to him, you know? And last time I saw him, he was in a nice tour bus. So, you know, I mean, I respect <laughs> all those pieces. Um, and yeah, I don't have any problem with any of the discography. And as actually the later stuff, I think, has a lot of uh, tone in, yeah. in each of the instruments and especially on the drums, a lot of uh, rich acoustic tone that you can get into. So, you know, it's a new flavor. It's cool to see guys who were only one thing expand and do well. So I like the whole thing. Great. I love that answer because I'm the same. Um, and I honestly think that Now Diabolical and the self-titled 2013 were like two of their best releases. Like that 2013 album, I understand why it was self-titled because it's kind of like a combination of all the progress they'd made since uh nemesis divina through to to that point agree and i loved phoenix i thought that was a, one of the coolest collaborations ever um i, I listen to that song on like a very regular basis yeah i think um you know and sander talks about it too he's a bit of an audiophile so he loves to listen to instruments and just uh play with tones and get inspired by that and so using a clean male singing vocal as a uh and a melody inside a song that still has double bass and it's very hard to pin down overall but still super scandinavian feeling and very authentic to i think him as a writer and so right yeah it's a nice piece to have in the library i would actually love to have a whole collaborative album between them um just because i thought it was so unique and interesting because Savit hoyam is amazing vocalist the stuff that he did with Madru uh madrugada was I mean, he, I got into that band because of that track and they have a fantastic discography themselves as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think there is more room in metal music for variety than people give credit. Um, I, I even think Sarcoptis gets an occasional criticism for like, oh, I see this is what black metal is now. And it's like, okay, you know, I mean, it's just, there's some different <laughs> things. It's fine. You know, I mean, 
I, I'm just a musician. I just, I like yeah. to play and, uh, and I definitely believe in quality. And I think if there's inspiration and you're writing something unique and original that emotes, then go for it. So, yeah. Uh, black metal is such a broad genre that there's room for everyone. Um, yeah. Uh, there's it, so much space there to push into other genres. And it's a, it's a style of music that's always kind of embraced experimentation and boundary pushing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why you have so many subgenres. Like you have the jazz influences nowadays. You've, you've got like the atmospheric stuff, folk, you know, it, it all industrial. I think Thorns is a masterpiece. But um, mm. anyone that kind of limits black metal to saying, oh, this is what it is now, they obviously haven't been paying attention to the genre from the start. There will always be sub definitions and you know if you're trying to be something very specific then you'll have to lean into certain tropes and yeah. i like it all i like the extremely monochromatic um just hissing noise yep. stuff. and then i also like the complex operatic and everything in between you know i'm always listening for show me something new give me give me that feeling so right yep yep uh, i'm the same um and anyone that I mean, this is the this is a discussion I'd like to have with you guys because obviously you bring a lot of different influences. You have longer format songs. Um, do you think that there should be a balance of someone's musical repertoire of both big brain stuff, like uh, that sort of more complex influence stuff, and then stuff that's simplistic but just done well? I got to step out for one second. I'll be right back. No problem. Okay. Go, go ahead and keep going. Oh, I was going to actually have him answer that question. Uh, um, we can pause it up. We can, we can hold it off. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I can, I'll, I'll take a shot at it and then you, sure. you can feel free to chime in too. I mean, so if we're talking about, uh, I mean, I guess what comes to mind with that question is, you know, when a band has a sound, you know, you can expand the boundaries, but then there's also going too far where you're just kind of shifting the whole thing. And now you've kind of kept the brand name, but you've changed what it is and so i don't know i think there's a fine line like there's things you can experiment with that go well and expand the musicality like like i was saying or you can completely shift and sort of alienate your existing fan base while also not really drawing in something new and then that can be a miss you know i'll, I'll hear new material and i'll think ah, i think this should have been a new band this should have been called something else but right i mean do you, go ahead please well, I was gonna. I was actually asking more from the perspective of a listener than a musician. So, as okay. as a listener, would you say that it's 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 better overall to have a balance between that more complex artistic stuff and then you know just stuff that's that's traditional, done well, enjoyable to listen to that that you like? Um, or do you think that people are fine to lean one way or the other? Mm, yeah, um, that's kind of tough to say. I mean. I feel like if we're talking like an album as a final product, mm -hmm. it's hard to say what should, what more should be in there than should not. I don't know. I mean, I like, for example, with prayers, we chose the song Tet to do as the music video because it's one of the more straightaway songs and it's just easy to take in and it kind of lended itself well to the uh, video format because um, we, we didn't have a ton of highs and lows or big buildups. It was just kind of right away. Um, so I think maybe that's more um, of the short form, like you were mentioning, as opposed to, and then we have long form as well. But honestly, I mean, when I listen, I'm not really picking apart what is and isn't there. I just take the whole thing in and uh, mm -hmm. and decide whether or not it, um, it did something for me. So sorry, that's kind of a loose no, yes. it's totally fine. I, yeah. I, I might help if I tell you where I'm coming from with it, because sure. there was yeah. an article published last week that I read defining a style of music as beer metal. Uh, and what they said in the article basically is that bands that play music that doesn't push boundaries, isn't highly complex, isn't true art. So and they listed off a bunch of bands that like are very popular and like, you know, obviously like bands like a Monomath was on the list and stuff. And that's fine. But there were some bands on there that I completely disagreed with. Uh, like Goat Hall was on there, basically said that they're unintelligent music that isn't art because it's not complex enough. Um, mm. And I vehemently disagree with, with that perspective because uh, I don't think you can really define something as only being art if it's complex. Right. Well, um, I mean, if you want to get really snobby about it, I mean, there's people who look at all form of metal as sub-intelligent garbage you yes. know oh it's just a bunch of screaming and you know blast beats and noise and it's you know it's crap there's no talent or even if it is even if it doesn't require talent that it's vulgar and it's stupid 
that's bullshit. Mm -hmm. So I look at uh, the example you just said is kind of bullshit too. I Me mean, too. are you going to throw Motorhead in the garbage because they didn't write 12 minute epics? Right. You know? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, nobody did their shtick better than them. Whether you call it art or not, I don't really care. It's whether you like it or not, whether you connect with it or not. Exactly. That, that's what I put it down to as well. Art is something they express as something. And if someone connects with it, then it's up. Yeah. 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 I'll just uh, chime in. I mean, you mentioned Amon Amarth and Goat Horror. And the two things I thought of are how big those bands' crowds are every time I've seen them. So right. they completely pack the house. Huge fan base. People love to get down to their music. And they know that they need to play something straight away enough to get the crowd moving. And they don't stop moving until the very end of the show. And then they right. stick around an encore it's what they've come to see so and then knowing a bit about the players in those bands i know they're highly skilled and i know that they're capable of very complex stuff but they intentionally create a sound because that show has you know there's a reason why you go to an amana marshall or a goat horse show you're going to pit the whole time and that's one exactly exactly so. it's i'm the same with like shows that i go to like i'm, I'm going to go to a certain show with the expectation there's going to be high energy people are going to be moving then there's other shows I'm going for the atmosphere and to watch someone play technically. And I think yeah. people are aware of that before they go to the show, you know? So there's a time and place for all of it that, and you as a listener get to make that choice. Right. I mean, um, not every, not every meal needs to be a four course meal. Sometimes you just want beef jerky, you know? Exactly. Right. <laughs> great, yeah. great analogy. There's nothing wrong with that. Just so yeah. long as you know what it is, you know? Right. Yep. Yeah. If you want to use like a beer reference, you don't always have to drink an IPA. You can have a lager sometimes. Right. Um, Brendan, speaking of that, that might be a good transition to some of your questions. No, you're good. <laughs> um, so um, where are um, your guys' favorite local venues to go catch X uh, in your area? Like little hole-in-the-wall areas, like where yeah, bands any, like play? Your, your, or... um, yeah, like your favorite. And then you got to probably have a least favorite. You're like, oh, I want to see this band, but this venue sucks um go ahead gar you can lead <laughs> <laughs> um well you know and i've kind of been in the local scene for a number of years i've played in local bands that play live too i mean uh there's a place called whiskey dicks in tahoe that's uh usually got some pretty decent shows there and there's a good, you know, local metal scene, you know, I mean, I don't feel like people necessarily select shows or just like, hey, let's go rock and let's see what's there. And so that's cool. I mean, we have an ace of spades in Sacramento that uh, a lot of larger tours will come through. Uh, there's a venue in town now called Goldfields, which is sort of like a mid slightly upper end, but not as large as ace of spades. And I've already done a couple um, larger tours. Actually, I played with Goat Whore there last year, Soulfly as well. So pretty cool. good spot, some good sound. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a real, real hole in the wall in sack called On the Y, where you can go and get absolutely shit housed <laughs> and basically stand on the stage if you want. And so that's its own its own vibe. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Cafe Colonial is another one like On the Y. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's all the levels, right? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, uh, which one's your favorite out of all those though? Um, I really like Goldfields right now. Um, I mean their their sound system is very new and loud, and so last time I took my drums in there, they sounded amazing. So cool. yeah, I'm a fan of that place. I want to play there again. So yeah, nice. That's actually it's, a uh, pretty nice little venue. I've only been there once, but I saw the Melvins there a few years back. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I like when a uh, you know a venue's got like good space, this and that, you know, like parking, all that fun little stuff that you didn't really think about, you know, like all that stuff's kind of important too. At the end of the day, you know, you're like, am I going to the bathroom inside of like a fucking can, or am I getting a clean toilet? Like, what's going on in here? You know, <laughs> fun stuff. You know, yeah, there's there's a few places around here like that. Where where yeah, I think Brendan with a venue had a clean toilet. I don't think I've ever experienced that. I the only one I went to I showed you a picture I, I put a I put a sticker on the oh toilet. yeah you put that's right you actually took a picture because I said it was literally the cleanest toilet I've ever seen <laughs> at a venue and I put our sticker on it. If the uh, toilet has a, a door and a wall, I'll take that as like a, a nice venue. Sometimes there's some yeah. uh, there's some nice venues in the Bay Area for sure that I've been to um, the Regency. I think I saw Behemoth there and Kendall Corpse and um, 
the Fox Theater. I saw um, King Crimson there. And interestingly enough, I'm seeing the Melvins and Mr. Bungle there this month. So that's actually a really great theater. It's an old theater cool. from like the 20s that they refurbished. And there's these giant Buddha-like statues flanking the stage. It's very, it's nice. It's a great place. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. There's a, a venue in San Diego you may have heard of. It's kind of famous. It's been going for like 30, 40 years or something called Casbah. Uh, um, and they, the men's toilet, you got, you come in the main door. There's like a, a another place where a door should be uh, that's been taken off and the sinks there. But behind that is a toilet and a urinal in the same room. And uh, so there's no door. So someone just comes in and starts using the urinal while you're, if you're, <laughs> while you're sitting on the toilet. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> it's really weird arrangement. Yeah, shitting at a venue is always a risky endeavor. So oh, you yeah. you always got to go before you go. Yeah, avoid at all yeah. costs. Yeah, man. I, I find that Starbucks. There's never a Starbucks too far. So yeah. Um, if uh, James and I were gonna swing by, where are we gonna go eat some some good food? Um, well, in my neck of the woods, there's two really good restaurants. There's Diego's, which is like South American food. So it's it's similar to Mexican food, but it's it's different. So that's yeah. the best way I can describe it. And then there's another place, uh, Pinoy Bistro. It's Laotian food, and it's similar to Thai food, but it's yeah. Different. So if you like Thai food, it's it's an easy transition. Nice. They I can love crank the food. spice up really hot. <laughs> oh yeah. What do you uh, what do you normally get from there? They have these uh, this rice noodle dish called Crying Tiger Noodles. Mm -hmm. That's great. I always get that. And then all the other dishes change around there, like fried rice or whatever. Awesome. Yeah. I uh I spent like a month in Laos. Um, so I got really into Lao food. It's fantastic. Yeah, I want to go there. I haven't been to either of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they sound great. Yeah. Well, next time you're up here, let's go. Hell yeah. <laughs> I know I gotta go. I want to get out there, go visit James, and I have some uh family in uh Apple Valley. So That'd be cool. I'm due to get out there. Yeah, I'm kind of that it for questions. Sweet. Okay. Uh, I've got a couple more for you guys in that case. Yeah. Um, so if you could play with anyone uh, that's currently in existence, like a band that's currently active, <laughs> who would it be? You can give a, a realistic answer and like an outrageous answer if you like. Um, give me a minute. <laughs> no worries. Gar, who's at the top of your list? Well, I mean, I kind of already mentioned some of my favorites. Um, I actually saw Hypocrisy last year in Berkeley, and they totally blew the roof off, and it just seemed like it'd be a fun show. I mean, it would be it would be a crazy larger-than-life experience for me to open for them and to, you know, have them even be in the same building while I'm performing live. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put it right there. I'd love to uh, play live with Peter and his crew. That'd be pretty cool. Hell, yeah. I think um, Cannibal Corpse would probably be a great show to open for because, and it's not too unrealistic because I've seen some pretty small bands open for them, some small local bands that I'd never heard of before, and uh, they were welcomed right in. So I think that would be a a good fit. And they always have a pretty diverse package when they go out. They often have Dark Funeral with them or some black metal band or something. So it's pretty mixed up. Yeah, I think it was Dark Funeral on the last US tour, wasn't it? Uh together with them yeah awesome um has there been anything in 2023 so far that stood out to you any albums that you would recommend to, to check out people might have missed um i just heard the new song from uh black braid have you heard them yeah the, the uh, native american uh artist yeah yeah i heard um one of the songs from their earlier release and i thought it was like pretty good competent black metal but i didn't pay too much attention to it uh -huh. But then when I heard this new one, I was very impressed. <laughs> it was quite atmospheric, and it was just ticking all the right boxes. So I'm definitely going to look into that album. Yeah, he's really made ways for himself, that dude. He's uh, done very well uh, from his start point. His, his album kind of blew up internationally, which is cool to see. Yeah, I, I also think that the whole Native American culture and spirituality really fits well with the black metal vibe and aesthetic. I mean, it's it's quite... A diverse aesthetic you can do the whole you know frost and mountains and forest thing you can do yeah. the satanism thing you can do you know greek mythology and you can do native american spirituality and mythology and it works perfectly there's a really good band i don't know if you've heard of them called a uh, pan-american native front 
I've heard the name, but I haven't listened to it. Hey, check that out. It's it's great stuff. It's it's also mm. Native American black metal, and they they do like um, historical albums focusing on battles and stuff. It's it's very cool. And then there's a guy out of LA who we had on our podcast recently. Episode hasn't aired yet. Uh, called Isatai, uh, and he oh, does yeah. uh, Native American stuff out of Los Angeles. It's really cool. Uh, it's really really raw traditional black metal stuff, but very Little cool Wolf. concepts. Yeah, his name he goes by Little Wolf. But um, what what about you, Garrett? Anything stood out to you? Um, well, yeah, actually, my friends got me into the native, uh, Pan American. Um, what is it again? I'm about to misquote uh, Pan American Native Front. Okay, yeah, they started showing me that style. I was I was definitely into it. Really cool, unique stuff. Um, I'm really bad with like uh, new music, but I've been listening to a lot of uh, dungeon synth. I don't know if this <laughs> is a genre. Yeah, but, uh, dungeon synth. Because because I try to I try to find music like I'm either like metal turn it on all the way or i try to find music that almost like doesn't even have drumming because i kind of get exhausted you know by that sound and so so i have been liking a lot of dungeon synth lately and even just uh like chill hop and stuff like that just to it's something to kind of uh zone out and, and give me a more like mellow feeling while i'm training or whatever so but i mean there's a band called frayer f-r-e-r and it might just be one dude but uh he had a dungeon synth release 2022 that I really like. It's just, it's very cool, somber music and, and you can read to it and stuff. And so, so I'm digging it. That's awesome. Nice. So we're actually uh, putting Check together out of, um, Dungeon Synth. Uh, my friend Jacob, he has his own Dungeon Synth uh, one-man project called Shrouded Gate and they have a new album out. I listen to all this stuff when it comes out. And um, he was actually part of Graven Earth Records who did our cassette release for the first album. And that's awesome. how I got, in, that's how I got in touch with him and, he cranks out like two albums a year. I don't know how he keep how he does it, but <laughs> so yeah, Shrouded Gate. I've been listening to his stuff too. Awesome. We're actually putting together a Dungeon Synth charity sampler for later this year, so I might contact him and actually see if he wants to be a part of it. Yeah, mm. he's he's been on like three or four compilations that I know of. Oh, great! Awesome. Well, yeah, I guess I have, I have I have two more questions for you then. Uh, mm-hmm. One is sort of a it's a a tricky one. Uh, it's going to put you on the spot a little bit. Um, but it's a fun one. Uh, so if you were stranded on a desert island and you could only take three CDs with you to play on a solar powered discman until you were eventually, hopefully rescued, what would the three albums you would pick be? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> well, the no. thing with this is every time I would think about this, they're going to change. Yeah. You know, yep. like I know mine change all the time. So like, Three out of every single genre of music possible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could say Master of Puppets. That's one of them, you know. Okay. Um, I would probably say like um a CD of Mozart's later piano concertos, like okay. 20 through 23 in particular. Um, that's actually some of my favorite music ever, not just All in right, classical, cool. but especially his later piano concertos. I could listen to those endlessly. They never get boring for me. Um bit of a wild card that you might not expect i'd probably throw in purple rain i probably have like five copies of that album <laughs> <laughs> that's a great album honestly that's a classic i it is it's, it's such a diverse yeah. album and it's it's so iconic for that time and i grew up in the 80s you know right yeah so i heard all that music growing up as a little kid so it's in my dna too yeah there's a uh, local band around here and uh they do like a funk night and then um, they'll do a bunch of they'll do like Prince Night stuff like that, and they turn it all into like crazy wild funk and stuff like that. It's cool as hell. Yeah, I, I love I love the '80s funk sound, which is pretty heavily influenced by Prince. I mean, some of the other big groups of that era were basically Prince Ghost writing for them, like the time. So yeah. his DNA is all over '80s funk. Uh, but yeah, I love all that '80s uh, Prince stuff, early '90s. After that, not so much, but. Purple Rain in particular is fantastic. Are you oh, yeah. a uh, Parliament fan at all? Yeah, Parliament, Funkadelic, all the 70s yeah. funk groups, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Right. Uh, Barry White, Isaac Hayes, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that I love that stuff as well. Like I my vinyl collection. Marvin Gay is fantastic. My, What's going on is one of my favorite albums too. So you oh, probably yeah. wouldn't probably wouldn't know that if you're listening to the trenches you know <laughs> right 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 <laughs> but right. that's that's just a beautiful album i mean sonically it sounds fantastic the songs are beautiful the lyrics yeah. are just my so uh, aspirational my uh wife and i uh wedding song is uh let's stay together marvin gay 
I think um, I think ours was the uh, well, the processional after I got married was uh, Queen, you're my best friend. <laughs> oh, nice. Awesome. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, well, my answer is just keeping it metal. I think I should have known that Sean would have like this super diverse, musically informed answer. And I just think of the three metal CDs. But I mean, so, yeah, so I would take uh, uh, Spiritual Black Dimensions by Dimu. Nice. And then I would take uh, Virus by Hypocrisy. And then I would take Hellfire by 1349. And I'd be good. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think Spiritual is an incredibly underrated record. I mean, yes. a lot of people dismiss Dumu entirely as, you know, fake black metal or whatever. They're mm. all the shit. In their prime, they were awesome. And that record in particular is incredible. It's so murky and atmospheric. And then yeah. the lead guitar on top of it just adds so much to it. Uh, that's a great record. I bought that when it came out brand new. Um, I had only heard like one of their EPs prior to that. And back when I had hair, it stood on end when I first heard it. <laughs> That was actually the second black metal album I ever heard. Um, the, the first was In Sorte Diabole by, by Demi Borgia. That was what actually got me into the genre to start with. So, hmm. yeah, I've never understood the hatred towards Demi Borgia. I think they have some fantastic stuff throughout their discography. I mean, the, the last album they did, I did not like it all, but there's a lot of stuff in there that, that was decent. Um, yeah, the last album, I didn't even get through the single. You know, it was, it was <laughs> I, watched, I watched the video. I watched maybe half of it. And it kind of sounded like Dimu Borger covering Nightwish to me. You know? Exactly. And, and so yes. I just turned it off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, bands rise and fall. And I feel like a couple of their CDs, at least for me, Spiritual Black Dimensions and then um, Puritanical, uh, especially the drumming on that CD. I think any uh, Blast Beat drum nerd knows that CD and knows that it kicks ass. Um, you know, so it's hard to to keep pushing that, you know, so if you lose that flame, but you want the brand to keep going or you want to keep releasing music, you know, you you uh, run the risk of of falling short of of your prior successes. So, you know, that band right. will always be those great CDs. So I got no problem with it. I mean, you know, so. Yeah, yeah you, you another, see- another big band for me who kind of had a falling off, too, would be Morbid Angel. Like I was about to say that and that was literally like what I was going to say when you were done talking. I'm yeah. I'm a big old school Morbid Angel nerd. The first two records in particular, but I mean, most of the classic era stuff is good. You know, Covenant, even Domination formulas is, is killer. Yeah. But yeah, they, they made some bad decisions uh, career wise that they've never quite recovered from. Right. I mean, I, which I'm is sad because. Who... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, no, go ahead. So what I saw Morbid Angel live a few years ago with Cannibal, and uh, it was kind of sad because there was like three people in the Morbid Angel merch line, and the Cannibal line was like out the door. And that just shows you how releasing consistently good albums consistently is so important instead of taking like yeah. six to eight years and then dropping, you know, an album that sounds like 90s club music with, you know, death metal on top of it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, <laughs> I think we know what album you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a hard listen. I actually just listened to it for the first time in its entirety recently because I went through their whole catalog. I'm like, I'm going to give this an honest appraisal. And, you know, it has a few decent moments, but the few yeah. decent moments don't lift the whole thing out of it. Mm. No, there's a couple of tracks on there where I was actually laughing when I heard it the first time. I was like, are you serious? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what is this? Like if it had been like a David Vincent solo project, I don't think yeah. anyone would have cared. No, totally know? fine. <laughs> but it's yeah. the first Morbid Angel in eight years with David Vincent back on right. vocals. And people are like, no, we want Alters of Madness Part 2. That's what we right. want, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or at least Gateways to Annihilation Part 2, something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Gateways is actually my favorite, uh, my favorite later Morbid Angel album. Like, I absolutely love Gateways to Annihilation. Um because I think it kind of transitioned them perfectly to their heavier sound, but it did it like the one before Formula's Failed to the Flesh was kind of a transitioning album between the old sound and then that later sound. But mm-hmm. I thought Gateway's kind of perfected that later sound. It's its own beast. It's a very yeah. strange sounding album, but it's also very cool. Yeah, it's very cool. It's very it's just got such a solid mid-tempo pace the whole way through. Mm-hmm. um it doesn't like deviate from that and it kind of just keeps it heavy it's, it's just so heavy like from start to finish because of that tempo yeah um so i have one more question for you um are there any local bands in sacramento that we should be checking out so anyone you play with anyone you recommend 
Um, well, Gar knows a lot of the local bands a lot better than I do since he's constantly doing shows. So I'll let him start. There's a couple of old ones that I know that I like a lot, but they're no longer uh, producing music. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, uh, <laughs> local bands should be checking out. Um, man, I feel like I should I should know this answer better on account of the amount of local music I do. Well, I'll tell you this: I'm in a band right now called Purification by Fire, and they're from Tahoe area, but we play sack a lot. Um, that's the last band that put me in the studio, and so yeah, I recently just checked off their uh, CD, and so I'm hoping that gets out and you guys can peep that out we're actually going to play a show here coming up uh in a couple weeks in tahoe so that's one and then i guess the other band i'm in is called darkness everywhere and they're actually from the bay area and uh they've got some pretty heavy hitters in that band the engineer that did prayers to oblivion and did uh plague hymns is actually the bassist in that band so literally every time we jam i have this brutal high tier engineer breathing down my neck and so it's like really intense like i'm always i always feel like i'm like in the studio like sweating to play good but it's made me a lot better as a result and uh they're they're really awesome dudes i like jamming with them and um they just released a, a single, and I think we're going to go shoot a music video here in a couple weeks. So, yeah, Darkness Everywhere. You can check them out. They got the stuff on Spotify, and I'll be doing some more shows with them coming up. So, yeah, those would be the two for sure. Um, awesome. Yeah, that's that's good. I was only thinking specifically specifically like Sack Area, but if you broaden yeah. it slightly, he's correct. Darkness Everywhere, uh, very good. It's It reminds me a lot of like melodic death metal, like at the gates kind of style. Very nice. catchy kind of stuff, Iron Maiden-ish harmonies and that that kind of stuff. So yeah, good stuff. But uh, yeah, I haven't been to local shows regularly in several years, and so okay. a lot of the bands that I used to see regularly are uh, defunct <laughs> or on hiatus. So I'm not entirely sure who's out there, or I haven't heard much of them. But a couple of really old ones from the SAC area that I loved. Um, one's called Cypheria. They used to be called Enthroned back in the day, and then obviously their name changed because there's a black metal band called Enthroned who's quite well known. But uh, Cypheria, and they had sort of a Nocturnus kind of vibe, sort of like Morbid Angel, but with keyboards and nice. you know technicality on top of it. Uh, that was actually probably the best local gig I went to as far as just like how powerful the music was. That was excellent. And then my friend's old band, uh, Pax Mortis, they were an old school death metal band, and they also used some keyboards, and uh, they were fantastic. They were one of the one of the first death metal bands I ever heard. And uh, when I first heard them and first heard of them, I was so naive. I thought they were like a big uh, death metal band that everyone knew. I thought they were <laughs> like, you know, obituary, you know, or or band of that stature. And so when I found out they were local, I was like, oh, well, that's that's different. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of think that keyboard and death metal is underrated. I, I would love to see more of that. Yeah, I, I think uh, in particular that Nocturnus album, they they welded the keyboards in there perfectly, that first record. They did. Yeah. Yeah, they, they wrote with the intention to have it as a key part of the music, not an afterthought, like some of the stuff you hear. Right. Not just like in an interlude or like a little choir in the background for three seconds. You know? Right, exactly. Like you get a lot of stuff where, I mean, and Demi Borgia does this well as well. It's like, it's a key part of the music. It's not just like a flourish. Because you see a lot of bands that like they have, oh, we have keyboard driven black metal with symphonic or whatever. But then it's it's very clear they wrote it with a guitar lead and then just slapped some keyboard. Yeah, just copy what I did and put on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. When, when I write songs... I mean, it's almost entirely I'm starting with the guitar because mm -hmm. I think metal music should be guitar driven and riff driven. Mm -hmm. Like if you don't have good riffs that make you want to headbang, you've kind of missed the boat, you know. Right. And so when I add the keyboards, I only put it in sections where I think it's going to enhance what's already written. And then I know how to layer on top of what's already written. If it gets too busy, it can be distracting from the riff and it can right. often come off as really cheesy you know right so you have to walk the the fine line on that one well for me that's why i could never really get in i mean some people might hate me for saying this but i never got into flesh god apocalypse for that reason i, I always thought like it was too much going on too busy um with with the symphonic stuff thrown on top of the already technical heavy like a sort of a 
abrasive the opera yeah i just i just thought it was too much i think it's just a bit or muddled. the orchestra yeah the, yeah I, I like my music like assaulting and like dissonant stuff but i just don't think it works in their case i've just never understood the appeal but that's just me personally um so I, I said I had one last question, but I guess I have one more, but this is more to help you guys out. But um, if people want to pick up the album or follow you guys on social or give it a listen, what are the best places to do all of that? Uh, well, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Um, you can get our stuff either through the Transcending Obscurity Bandcamp or through our own personal Bandcamp. Our own personal stuff has all of our releases available and the uh, Transcending has the transcending specific ones as well as a bunch of merch uh like t-shirts and and stuff like that great yeah awesome. they're all beautiful awesome. well thank you so much for coming on the show uh we appreciate you taking the time it was great chatting to you with the like we, we understand your your writing process a lot better now um and if you do another album in the future we'd love to have you back on oh uh, yeah for sure we're uh we're definitely planning on doing another album i have several songs written and I have dozens of riffs that are still looking for a home. So awesome. it's an enormous jigsaw puzzle of a project, which I have been very slowly picking away at. So I need to jump headfirst and really get serious about it soon. But we are going to make another one. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, I actually did uh, remember yeah. one thing I wanted to ask you about. Uh, the music video. You guys put out a, a really great music video very recently. Uh -huh. um, do you want to tell us, like, just before we finish up a little bit about that? Uh, well, it was filmed at a studio in Oakland, California. Um, the film crew is the same film crew that worked with Gar's other band, Darkness Everywhere. I saw they had done the video for them, and I said to him, why don't we just contact that crew and have them do our video? And uh, so that's what we did. And then we only had two guys initially for the, <laughs> for the video, myself and Gar. And Gar's thinking logistically, it's just not going to look good. And so I, after, you know, some back and forth, I decided, you know what, he's absolutely right. So <laughs> we enlisted a couple other people to fill up the roster. So uh, we have a full band playing the song. So my friend Mark Nocerino is on bass and our friend uh, Gabe Sieber is on drums. And okay. uh, Gabe is also a local guy we've known forever. And he's been in a bunch of local bands and he's played with some pretty big bands too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gabe's in uh, Decrepit Birth right now wow. and he's done uh abbath as well but yeah i mean basically sean said it you know we were we were wanting to get some more content out so people could have a little more of us to interact with and then yeah i just i wanted it to look as good as it could and so yeah we reached out and 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 uh, it was cool to have musicians on this caliber be interested in working with us and and the whole day was was really fun there was a lot of laughs and it went very smooth and the final product is amazing so the crew we went with was very timely and uh yeah you can check it out it's on the transcending obscurity youtube you can go give it a like if you like it. oh yeah awesome well thank you so much uh again i appreciate you guys coming on the show and uh thanks for the great music yeah it's killer stuff us. man anytime yeah, thank you thanks for picking us uh good luck with the cause on the on the sampler and uh yeah good stuff thank you very yeah. much for anyone listening at home thanks for tuning in and uh come back next time for another guest <laughs>